Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. This week has been a busy one for our family. Spring sports are starting up. We're getting all of our routine checkups done and out of the way. And we're also preparing for my husband to leave again for a training mission. It's part of being a military family that there's a lot of travel involved for my husband. And thankfully, most of the places he travels to are relatively safe. He gets to learn some pretty intense things about his job. And most of the time, he has a chance to explore the area he's in as well. By now, he's been all over the country, probably most of the 50 states, but I lost count a while ago. And he spent a large chunk of time overseas in different countries. I, on the other hand, am not nearly as well-traveled. I've been out of the country once for our honeymoon and have traveled to a handful of states, but that's about it. I do have a travel bucket list of places I want to visit before I die, and most of them are places that I don't want to just visit, but I want to be changed by them. Like, I want to go to Machu Picchu and hike the Incan Trail. I want to go to Italy and traverse on the same streets my ancestors did. Heck, I'd even love to take a road trip down Route 66 and see all of the forgotten cities of our country. It's that old cliched but still true saying, it's about the journey, not the destination. But as Catholics, our destination is ultimately heaven, right? Our journey should be about finding the best path to holiness and eventually heaven. So how do we do that? How can we explore our faith physically journey through it, and find ourselves on the path to our ultimate destination. Today, I'm joined via Zoom by Father Luis Rodriguez of St. Juan Batista in Lancaster to talk about pilgrimages and how, as followers of Christ, we are all pilgrims journeying to God. Father Rodriguez, thank you so much for joining me on Candid Catholic Convos. I'm super excited to have you as part of this program and, and get to talk to you some more today. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here as well and share the word and good news. Would you mind telling me about yourself? I was, uh, um, I'm, I'm a revert, I think I could say a revert to the church. Um, I wasn't really baptized until I was four. Um, parents weren't practicing. It was at the urgent request of my grandparent that I got baptized. You know, don't board the plane with that child without, you know, being baptized. And uh, we did that, but we we didn't really practice anything as a as a family. I did spend four years uh, with the Assembly of God, um, and uh, then you know, uh, in my teenage years, after a a stage, it's part of my testimony. It's a stage of uh, rebellion and being lost. Um, I guess that so many can relate to. But I got in the wrong crowd for a while. And then uh, at the invitation of a layman, I had the retreat that changed my life. And I met Jesus Christ on a very personal level and, and the joy of 
his uh, his love and care for for teenagers, especially those who you know seem lost in the in the rabble of, of everything. And um, and so I came to the church that way. I uh, led myself over to church uh, to uh, catechism on my own. I was 17 when I made my first Eucharist and and was confirmed. Um, and, uh, you know, being having that as a holy communion at, at that age really was an, a, a huge experience, you know, huge blessing, the transformation of my life in so many ways. And so after that, you know, discovered leadership um, through youth ministry, and uh, then the vocation came. And that, that was uh, um, 30 years ago that I was ordained a priest on May 22nd will be my 30th anniversary with nine years of, um, uh, of seminary, three in Puerto Rico, six here in the United States. And, um, uh, and then just the joy of, um, of uh, going to different parishes and getting the experiences. I had five pastors, prior to becoming a pastor myself. So I had a wide gamut of, of styles and, and characters to deal with. Lots of joy, lots of, lots of fun things to, to recall, you know? <laughs> yeah. So now I'm at uh, the perhaps surviving ethnic parish of our diocese and yeah, surviving and thriving, um, San Juan Bautista in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, after gone through various other pastorships and, and experiences as priests. So, yeah, hope that summarizes something of it. Of it. I hope. No, that's perfect. <laughs> and I love what you said about how you didn't come fully into the church on your own until you were 17, which right. is typically the time that we see a lot of people like turning away because they're like, oh, there's too many rules. And you know, I'm a teenager and I'm indestructible. I know everything. So I think that's incredibly fascinating. For somebody growing up with less structure, more structure is the blessing, you know, mm. so yeah. That's very true. So I want to touch on something you you mentioned. You, you talked about going to a retreat that kind of changed your life. And I've heard it said that we're all pilgrims journeying to God. So how does going on a pilgrimage or a retreat enhance or strengthen our spiritual journey? I've personally never been on one. So how would you mm. kind of like pitch it to somebody? Sure. Well, you know, if you all baptized Christians, whether they are aware of it or not, we are all on a pilgrimage already. Um, we, you know, we'll read things at, at daily mass and, at, and Sunday mass um where you know uh, with saint paul will repeat our citizenship is in heaven and you know from it we await the savior so um we're all looking to that um glorious encounter with the lord um as final judgment i suppose you could call it and and uh um so the 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 start from our from womb to tomb that famous phrase womb to tomb really is a return to the uh, the house of the father so we are um uh, on pilgrimage and so the 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 action of taking 
pilgrimages here on earth um, to holy places significant to Christianity will um, really uh, uh, enhance that sense of where we're going by going to those mountaintop experiences which are which are pilgrimages they really they have a way of stripping uh, us of the nonsense that we play with in the valley and when we are before the lord and you know in his own realm i guess you could say um via via pilgrimage it, it just opens our minds to bigger bigger truths um and it enhances our christianity our journey that's really fascinating i understand you have made several pilgrimages to the holy land specifically can you walk me through some of those experiences what were like the challenges or what were the rewards that you came home with sure well i'll let me let you know that uh my first pilgrimage came out of a very selfish motivation um and and uh, it, it was funny because I I had parishioners at one of my parishes. I was an assistant priest. I was not the pastor. And um, she came up to me and she said, woe is us. We are uh, priestless. A, the priest who is going with us has, you know, last minute dumped us, you know, and now we don't have any spiritual guide to go and I said, where are you going? And they said, Medjugorje. And, you know, I was caught up in the uncertainty of all of that stuff of surrounding that particular holy site. And I said, well, I don't know about that, you know, because she was ending up telling me, could you fill in? And and um, I said, I don't know about that. And she said, oh, did I mention we're going to Rome? Oh, well, I'm your priest, you know, I mean, I'm it, I'm it, <laughs> I'm in all the way. <laughs> so that selfish motivation uh, really opened my heart to the concept of, uh, and God is a God of surprises, because um, when I went to, to the Vatican, I had a, a really beautiful experience at St. Peter's, and um it's one of those things you people want to say it's oh it's coincidence oh you know it happens all the time there and i said lord are you uh, i'm i'm your priest i'm still a young priest i was five years ordained and i said lord um strengthen me would you give me a sign lord you know and as we walked into saint peter's the ray of sun that hit the high altar precisely at the moment that i had asked for that I said, okay, I guess that's clear, you know, head for the altar, stay, stay, stay the course, Luis Rodriguez, you know, and, and uh, it, you know, I've never looked back. And, and then the love of it began when in, in that same parish, I led my first pilgrimage to the land of Jesus. And um, uh, it was back in 1997. Uh, there was a lot of uh, unrest still. Um, I had 31 people, then something happened. I only took 10. Um, I lost 21 others that didn't didn't material didn't decided to drop off because something ha terrible had happened. One of those the times of the violent bombings and such in the city. Um, and, but that availed us the opportunity to see from north to south, east and west, 
um, greater greater locations than I would have with a very large group. So, um, and that just that I caught the bug, and of course now uh, having gone to Israel six times um, and taking pilgrims over, Lord has continued to call me um, to to His intimacy and and. Um, this is my story. I'm sticking to it. You know, I walked into the tomb of the Lord in my fourth time, and, and the good Lord said, you must become a knight of the Holy Sepulcher, something which I was absolutely not familiar with. And when I came home to the States, I looked it up, and um, lo and behold, wonderful priest, Father John Bateman, um, which many, many of the, you know, in our diocese know, he was the secretary to Cardinal O'Brien, who was the grand master of the entire order of the Knights of the Holy Sepulchre. So I, I didn't know any of that. And so I, I emailed him and I said, how do you join this? This is what happened to me at the, at the tomb of Jesus. And I, I'm, I want to do this. Would you? And then I said, "Would you sponsor me?" He one word back, absolutely. And and then the journey began. And so I've been able to affirm the mission of the Knights of the Holy Sepulchre there, with you know um, their their orphanages, their their school, hospital, and we render support and aid to keep the peace, right, and continue to uh, um, sow the seeds of peace among all there in the holy land um we're such a minority um you know it's 150 175,000 uh christians uh living in the holy land properly israel and then the patriarchate there which is the bishop of the region he's in charge of all the catholics in the area um and and all said, you're looking at 300, 350,000 people with Jordan and Syria and, and such. So the Christian presence is very small, but their work is invaluable. And keeping the Christian presence in the land of our, our Savior, Jesus Christ, obviously, it's obviously crucial. And, and uh, pilgrim, pilgrimage uh, which has always been a part of the the Catholic uh, tradition and and spirit you know spiritual journey um, is a must and and when you go there you know the testimony of the faithful and I love going you know and taking them because I get to see it the transformation on their faces you know when they when they hear the gospel there well over here when we read the gospel we say jesus went to capernaum well over there when you're in capernaum they say jesus came here you know to capernaum he came here and you're like yeah i'm in capernaum i'm in galilee i'm in nazareth i'm in you know jerusalem i am at the site of his birth i'm at the site of the crucifixion i'm at the site of his ascension i'm at the site of that tender moment when he when he cried you know, in the, the chapel of the tears, they called it, they have little vases on all four corners of the chapel outside to, as the rain symbolizing catching the teardrops of Jesus crying for Jerusalem. And it's 
It's just you get to get a hold of him like you we all want to. It's a big hug with Jesus, you know. That that's the contact that we want when we go to the Holy Land. That I mean that is just so exciting. It really sounds it. I mean, you really get to kind of put it into context of like you're right. Like when we're sitting in church, it just feels you still feel sort of far away, you know, Absolutely. like, oh, it's on the other side of the world. It's right. But when you're physically there, of like this real place where this real person was and is, and it's just, oh, I'm just, I get goosebumps yeah. thinking about it. So I can't imagine what kind of transformative experiences you must have had and how it's impacted your ministry since. Well, the, you know, you you develop a lot of patience because like you said it's on you're sitting in the pew and it's on the other side of the world yeah it's 5722 miles from Newark airport to Tel Aviv 5000 and so you see the sunrise and sunset twice you know and you see you have celestial experience with the sun twice you get to see since we're flying east all the are as as uh uh pope benedict used to say the, our elder brethren the hasidic jews get out of their the men get out of their uh, seats on the aircraft and they go into the aisles and they pull out their prayer shawls and and put on the the sim symbols of the of their commitment to God, you know, the Shema and the, the phylacteries and all these things. And they begin to sway and, and say their prayers. And some of them sing in groups and, and you're on a plane and this is what's happening because you're on the aircraft for 12 straight hours until you reach your destination. And you, you know, you want to say with Dorothy, uh, we're not in Kansas anymore. You know, <laughs> that's right. You are going to the Middle East and what a world of experiences and your eyes are opened to so much. That's incredible. So I want to circle back to something that you talked about that was equally as incredible because, again, I've never been anywhere like that. The closest I've come is is YouTube. So I was looking up you know, <laughs> the Church of the Holy Sepulcher and the physical tomb of Christ. And that must have felt like like Easter every day because he is not here, he is risen. So like you go Amen. in to find Jesus and he's, he's, he's not there, he's risen. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of emotions you encountered while you were there and how can we tie those into our celebrations of Easter this year? Amen. I want to repeat that what you said. Jesus is not there. He is risen. He is alive. Amen. Amen. And um, what emotions? Well, you know, it, you see it on their faces. And I remember for myself, the first time I could not detain my tears. I couldn't stop them. I couldn't stop myself from crying because I, I have always believed it. But when you hear that, oh, no, this is not a gimmick. The Catholic Church came out. She's 2,000 years old. And all the naysayers say, uh, well, that that can't be, you know. But when you get scientists and archaeologists who are not hired by, by us, but come from the state of Israel and they go in there 
You know why? Because it's good for tourism, okay, for sure. But, you know, our pilgrims want to know that. And they tell you, you know, they came back just recently, a couple years ago, again, after doing the soil studies and the, uh, the studies of the actual layout of the tomb and all of this, and said, this is authentic. This, it goes, this is of the time of Christ, and it's inscripted. In, in the Greek, this is the tomb of Christ. Well, of course, how do you go to your death defending a lie? They all died defending this. And why wouldn't they remember this monument to the glory, glory and power and the majesty of our God um, risen in power. You know, there. one of the things that is sad and a kind of um, a letdown is, is that um, other denominations, as of late, the latecomers have um, gone over there and they take people over to this dubious garden tomb simply because they don't want to be exposed to the Catholic Church's influence over all to to millennia you know they that they they walk in and all of a sudden they're in a basilica that and and our brethren the orthodox are there and the coptics and the armenians and so you know they, they are not exposed to any of that the perennial church of jesus christ to only absorb what what is the last 150 years you know like it's all made up it really is all made up and with all due respect, but our, our separated brethren need to know these truths that when you go only to a garden tomb, you're, you're not going to the authentic tomb. You're not there. The authentic tomb is encased and protected by this fraternity of, of uh, the faithful. Uh, and that's the monument. And it should be like that. It should be. It's our Lord and King. You know, our Savior, and it must be glorious given to him. Amen. Amen. Jesus is risen. Um, he's not there. Why? Don't, you know, don't search for him. Um, like, like the angel said, among the dead, remember, if you, when you go on pilgrimage, you want to see the empty tomb, and you're going to find it. So I, as we ascend the stairs that cover Mount Calvary and and you know, you're talking 2,000 years of pilgrims, even in the worst times, you know, when um, it was all under the authority of the Islamic powers, the Christians would, you know, sneak in, uh, sometimes risking, you know, the their own lives, and many times their lives were in danger. So they they couldn't help themselves. They would take pieces from Calvary, stones and rocks, and you know they beg you, don't do that. It's shrinking. It's going away. You're you're taking it away. So everything's preserved, right, under these buildings. And when you reach Calvary Hill and you're on top, you walk up the steps. There, um, under one of the altars, is the hole that you can descend your hand and arm through. And you can touch the bed, the rock of Calvary there. That's the only way you can actually touch it. But now you realize you're you're doing things um, after all this time, um, and yet you're still coming into contact with the reality, and it all impresses you 
I mean, the the tradition of the Roman Catholic Church are there, the the Orthodox. So everything's decorated that way, right? Or 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 um, portrayed that way. Um, that's inevitable because it's a basilica, it's a church, um, in in the tradition. But no less true, no less the real thing. And when you go into the, it's called the edicule. So you're inside the basilica, and then you 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 go into a smaller chapel. And then the chapel reminds you you're in you're on holy ground because the doors are are smaller, so it forces you to bow on the way in. And then the and then the second door to the tomb of Christ it's lower still. So get on your knees, you know, because where you're about to your Lord was here, and the redemption Satan was defeated right here. You know, this is it. This is this because he, you know, I have triumphed over sin and death and Jesus is risen. Amen. 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 That is so insanely powerful. Like I can't even fathom it. And then to just be able to physically go and to touch these things. It's just, I mean, I've always been a little bit of a history buff, but like American history isn't, it doesn't go back nearly as far like we can go to Gettysburg or we can go to you know my house for instance was built in the early 1900s but to go somewhere that has been preserved for thousands of years and is still that insanely powerful is just must have been breathtaking well you like I said from womb to tomb and you just cannot um explain adequately except your tears you know when when you're you're given the opportunity to say well they the the witnesses told us this is the spot where jesus was born this is the spot where they after the birth they laid him in the manger this is it right here but the cynicism of today disables a lot of people's ability to cross the, you know, the the this and make the step of faith. Um, I don't know what people expect, because you tell them, you know, this is Gettysburg and the battle occurred here, and they're like, oh wow, this is amazing. Well, let me take you over to see where Jesus was born. Ah, nobody remembered that. That can't be, you know. And when you look at the, listen to that, I'm like. There's there's just uh, something wrong with you. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's all I can say. But so they, you know, people are crying, and and the exuberance of their joy is felt at the Church of the Nativity when they're when they're walking into where the tomb is. They're crying, and then when they're leaving, they they just want to shout it. They want to say, "Jesus is risen. His triumph over sin and death." And um, now when I read the gospel, um, I see it with my eyes. It's all in my memory, you know, and it's no longer what did it look like. It is I'm there. I And I know the vistas, you know, the, uh, we took them to the mountaintop of the place where uh, they were going to throw Jesus down headlong uh, for uh, preaching what he did in Nazareth. 
And when they're up there and you say, yeah, I could see how somebody would die if they threw them off here. And they tell you, this is the place, you know, this is the actual location. When, when you're on Mount Tabor and the Transfiguration, you, you suddenly realize, no wonder he chose this spot. It's so singular. It looks it, It's almost like ascending a volcano. Um, it's not as a cone shape at the top. It's, it's uh, you know, flows like a, mount, uh, a hilltop. But the elevation, it, no one would doubt it. The, the transfiguration must have been a mind-blowing experience for, for them. And once you're there and tracing their steps, when you descend and go to the Dead Sea, we took them to Jericho and the, the Mount of Temptation, where he was doing his 40-day retreat. Here we are in the season of Lent uh, discussing these things, and we took them there. And, and when they were looking out over the valley and, and the solitude, then you, you understand the, the demon would dare to come to this place and tempt our Lord. Um, when you're down in the, by the Dead Sea um, and you feel, you know, the, how, how alone it is out there um, and in this, this desert, because people cannot conceive the desert until they actually see it. Even, even here in America, we talk about our deserts, but people really don't, don't conceive them until they see them and with their own eyes. We can never be satisfied with video, um, and our imaginations never get it right. We uh, pilgrimage is about getting it right, you know, setting the record straight, you know, in so many ways. Yeah, you're absolutely right. the The videos that I saw on YouTube of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, like, just don't do it. Just like you can tell from the videos that, like, this is one of those places that you have to be there and you're right our imaginations you know if you've never been there you can only imagine so far um, because you don't have a physical reference but I want to talk about something that you just said which is um, about the pilgrimage and and should all Catholics embark on a pilgrimage and this next part of the question is two twofold one does it have to be a physical journey or are there other forms of pilgrimage? Because I'm sure for some people, there is a financial barrier that right. might prevent them from going on a physical pilgrimage. So does it have mm -hmm. to be physical or are there other forms? And if so, do you have any examples? Yes, you know, I, um, it's obvious to say that the uh, the actual pilgrimage of taking myself over to that location is the ideal and the the most real the you like you said the financial consideration now now yeah i gotta tell you though where there's a will there's a way i some of the folks here in my parish um said oh i'm going and i'm gonna go sell food and i'm making cookies and i'm doing this and 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 they went on fundraising and so they made it happen for themselves so the the you know but think of the person who cannot walk um, uh, going to Israel, by the way, is is intensely uh, uh, a walking experience. So, it, it, for people who have walking trouble, that this is not uh, 
something that I would urge them to do. I would say you need to rethink it again and again and again. It's very difficult walking. It's a lot of walking. So um, other services that uh, are found, and now they are online. And also there are, I cannot put, I can't put my finger on one right now, except that the, the associations like the Knights of Columbus, for instance, they have sponsored uh, virtual uh, pilgrimages, virtual. Um, other organizations of the church have have uh, answered the the need for this virtual virtual tours, and maybe with these new headsets, you know, that are now out there, people be really connected with the technology, and you they take you there, right? They you feel like you're there in your in in your visual field, but um, yes, and the church also has granted. Um, you know, prayers and uh, uh, such um, pastoral indulgences through the participation of these virtual things. So they're out there. This, if you can't get there for uh, physical limitations or or financial, it's the next best thing. It's the next next best thing. And and the thing the thing about this, all of this, that I would just uh, tell the audience, the listening audience is um, do something different, would you? You know, break break the sameness. If if none of us are worried that I can actually get stagnant in my spiritual journey with the Lord, um, then I'm not thinking right. It's spiritual stagnation um, and a lack of growth um, is a true situation. It's a reality. It's a it's a condition, um, and so that's why our prayer lives, our deliberate participation of uh, prayer circles, uh, Bible study, of joining the mission work of the parish um, in the in the local parishes wherever we are there's always something more and we should we should get involved in that because it enriches our internal interior life with the lord it just takes us to a deeper place with him adoration of the most blessed sacrament um it cannot in many ways can't be topped obviously so um the praying of the of the rosary and the fidelity to that that doing the consecrations to the sacred heart to the immaculate heart but do, you know enhancing our spiritual journey in the lord because we are all on pilgrimage and we need to to enrich it and enrich the journey i love that and those are all really excellent examples for wherever you're at in life or in your spiritual journey that you can there's always a way to enrich it. So I appreciate those examples. Thank you. For those that are discerning maybe a, a physical pilgrimage, what what advice would you give to someone discerning going on a physical pilgrimage? Right. Um, so, so my recommendation is um, you want to start out with a travel agency that is it it really knows what we need 
need as a, as a Catholic, what we need, what we're looking for um, on the way there. Um, as uh, my, now I've, I've had the same guide um, the last uh, few times while I'm always uh, there because he's, he is uh, um, an Orthodox uh, uh, young man married to a Catholic girl and um have two beautiful children and um and so they're gonna be sharing our faith so if you go over and you are assigned uh, you, you just pick out randomly anyone um any company uh travel agency and then then you may get somebody that doesn't share your faith and they will highlight it invariably uh mixed in with politics and uh, one of the things that we are very uh, sensitive to as Knights of the Holy Sepulchre and, um, and priests and such is, hey, we're not here to cast judgment on whatever the situation is between um, the, all the citizens of the country of Israel, right, and, and Palestine. And uh, we're not there to judge any of that. We are here to walk in the footsteps of our master and Lord, Jesus Christ, our savior. Um, so consider that really keenly. Who are you gonna travel with and what is your point? You know, your point here, is it really to get a, a, a political view of things or is it to encounter the Christ, the Christ of the Bible? Um, so that's gonna be a, a big difference. Um, and when, when you're there, is it all about you, 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 you? Is there a way that you can give back to um, the, the Christian community there? Um, be aware that, that there are uh, sources, you know, for, for <laughs> is it, you know, we, oh, I, I want to be careful. You know, may, if it's made in the U.S., say you know made it or made somewhere else how about how about that i can get away with that right so i'll say i'll say that and um well are you getting authentic things over there everything's commercialized um to a certain degree but getting in touch with actual sources of authentic authentic things so you have to choose wisely who you're going to travel with um and um uh while while you're there, then um, make it as prayerful as possible. So we're Catholic. We want to celebrate Mass every day while we're there. So we celebrate the Holy Eucharist at these all these shrines and sacred locations. I would say, yeah, go with a priest, a Catholic priest that you know uh, and that that is going to spiritually guide guide you while you're there and help help enrich the experience if you try to do it alone um no that i don't think you'll get the the value out of it that way and also because you're going at a, alone in israel you are in the middle east where all those dynamics are you know and and that safety is always a concern um for an American, right? For an American and and going in groups are far better, far a far better plan uh, that way. Um, yeah, because uh, it's getting in and out of the country uh, 
there's a lot of uh, things to consider. <laughs> yeah, it's a delicate situation sometimes there. The Knights of the Holy Sepulchre use, will lead pilgrimages over there, usually for the membership. Uh, but they are a great source to tap who should we go with. Yeah, and people can call um, the Lieutenancy of the Equestrian Order of the Knights of the Holy Sepulchre. Our, our Lieutenancy is from New York, New York, New York, New York City. And then, of course, if you, you want to tap into the Franciscans who uh, are mostly, mostly in charge of these, the care and the ministrations of the, at the shrines, um, then you can contact the Commissariat of the Holy Land in the United States. They are the same Franciscans who live in the Holy Land, and uh, and they take people over regularly. You can go with the Franciscans of the Holy Land, and of course, who else better, right? Because they just know the language and they know the people and the experiences, and they get in, you know, with their own order uh and the care of it yeah those are two sources uh, uh, firmer sources so that's excellent i can link those in our show notes as well to make sure that anybody who's interested can just click on a link awesome. so that's that's fantastic thank you so much and father rodriguez this was this was so enlightening i really appreciate you taking the time to talk about how um powerful pilgrimages have been um in your life and in your ministry and i hope that Whoever needed to hear this heard it, and I hope you have a blessed Easter. And you as well, and everyone uh, listening to us, may the Father's blessing be poured upon your hearts, and that you may know his Son, our Savior, the risen Lord, more intimately uh, every day. God bless you. Thank you for this time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.